a leader who does not know what to say. Let's be honest, we are in that position far more frequently than we ever want you to know. Today on the Ministry for Breakfast podcast, we will be taking a look at what to say in the wake of social, political, and racial upheaval. Theo, I'm hungry. Kenny, I'm hungry. Let's eat. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Ministry for Breakfast podcast, a weekly podcast for discussions, reviews, and interviews to help pastors and ministry leaders eat ministry for breakfast. My name is Kenny. I am the pastor at the First Baptist Church of Wyandotte in Wyandotte, Michigan. And the last thing that I ate for breakfast was a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Again, we talk about it all the time. I have a very sophisticated palate. Classic, man. It's a classic. Can't go wrong. Uh, my name is Theo. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church of Detroit in Southfield, Michigan. And the last thing I ate for breakfast was Starbucks caramel macchiato. Sometimes it's just coffee and go. Uh, so no cereal for me this time, but uh, but coffee some works uh, works well for me. A little pep in the morning. There you go. Uh, before we go any further, we want to let you know that one of the goals of this podcast is to celebrate the work of small businesses helping us to do ministry every day. And today, on our first official episode, we want to spotlight one of our sponsors, 415 Tax and Financial Services. First Baptist Church of Detroit, my church, has been a client of 415 for the past five years. They handle all aspects of our bookkeeping from processing disbursements to preparing financial statements. And they have extensive experience in QuickBooks and church management software and uploading member contributions. And if your eyes are glazing over right now, that's exactly why you need 415. They're black owned, they're women owned, and they're committed to providing dependable and efficient bookkeeping services. And they even file individual and business yearly tax returns. Contact 415 at 248-990-0368, or you can email them at 415taxservices at gmail.com to see how they can assist you. Mention Ministry for Breakfast to get $25 off your tax preparation services. Thank you so much to 415 because 415 helps us eat Ministry for Breakfast. Absolutely. And thank you for checking out this podcast. If you haven't already, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook at the Ministry for Breakfast podcast. Go ahead and like that page. Follow it. We would love for you to get in on the discussion. Episodes drop every week on Tuesday. And we really hope you enjoy the show. We are two men who love Jesus and want to just be able to share and partake in ministry and what's going on in that world together. That's right. And so, listen, we want you to, to know we have labored over not just the content of our uh, podcast episodes, but even the order and what we wanted to say and when. And so that's why the fact that we're we're right out of the gate changing the direction of uh, of the way we're um, outlaying or laying out uh, our episodes. Uh, sort of speaks to the gravity of the topic. And so we are recording this um, a week after 
uh, a significant moment in the history of our our country. And so it led us to sort of wrestle with what to say, not only to our congregations, but as well what to say to you to sort of help you uh, navigate these kinds of moments. Because the reality is, this isn't the first time that we found ourselves in a similar position and is likely not the last time. It's not just about sort of political upheaval. Sometimes there will be things that are only related to your congregation or to your ministry, and you're going to have the responsibility to say something. I'll give you an example, and I'll let kind of Kenny speak to it uh, as well. There was one particular Sunday in our church when one of the members of our church passed away, and we found out just before service was about to start. And I could see as that information was moving through our congregation and it was going to require that I address it. Um, I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't act like nothing was going on. I had to say something. So there are going to be moments, whether it's communal upheaval, racial, social, political upheaval, any number of different things that are going to require you or invite you uh, to say something. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those things, Thea, we all probably have those personal stories where you have that moment where someone in the congregation, as you open your eyes from your opening prayer, you know, is passed out in the pew where something goes wrong or 911's got to be called. I, I know I've had everybody? that happen in, yeah. in service before. And, and we're not always prepared to lead in those instances, but we have to say something. You know, we don't want to necessarily let all these moments monopolize ministry or the church service. But how do we address these as leaders? And the way we handle these things really sheds a whole lot of light on our leadership and where we're moving as a church. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think as we dive into this, you know, that's that first thing looking at how we address is you need to say something. We can't pretend like these moments don't happen. As you saw that ripple effect go through the congregation, you had the choice to just ignore it and preach your sermon or to say something, you know, it, we need to, as leaders, address what is going on, not ignore what is happening. That's correct. That's accurate. And I think, you know, there's a difference between chasing after drama, right? There are some, you know, ministers and ministry leaders who are always kind of looking for a fight and looking for somebody to argue with and looking for somebody to be uh, in, in, in war with and telling our you know, telling members and telling Christians who they should be mad at and stuff like that. We're not talking about that, but we are talking about when the issue comes to you, when it comes to your pulpit, when it comes to your front door, when it comes to, to your ministry, your, your, your congregation's footsteps, don't ignore it. Don't seek out issues, but don't ignore issues either. And so number one is say something. Number two is slow down, slow <laughs> down. And, and the reason I actually say this is it's something that it's kind of become a, a mantra of mine. I'll never forget that, you know, back when I was a chaplain and I would have interns and residents who would shadow me and we would be in the emergency department and, you know, it was inevitably when something crazy was happening, a trauma or whatever, the intern would just kind of be all over the place. And I remember we were going to escort a family somewhere and I pulled her to the side and I said, walk slower, slow down. Number one, nothing's going anywhere. And number two, I was trying to help her understand the more that you can embody calm and embody peace. 
uh, the more you can and project it to others, the more others will receive that message, that understanding, and then replicate it. The, the, the more excited and antsy and anxious you are, uh, the more your congregation or your ministry will feed into that. Uh, but the, the slower um, pace with which you set will be sort of the slower pace your congregation um, sets. And so slow down, slow down, because sometimes our first reaction isn't always the best reaction. You know, slow <laughs> down, because oftentimes, you know, what what you know in the first hour right. after something has happened is completely different from what you'll know after a day's worth of investigation and journalism and stuff like that. Um, and so you'll have a much more full picture if you're willing to slow down, slow your pace, let things sort of unfold. Uh, we aren't always our best selves when we try to respond as quickly as possible. Yeah. And and I think that's biblical, Theo, when you look at being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And especially in the social media world that we live in, you know, we can fire off responses. Even us as leaders, as ministers, uh, we have the propensity sometimes to talk too much. Mm -hmm. And so slowing down, prayerfully considering how we respond, um, the heart and, and again, and praying in those moments. Sure. You know, some of those instances where we're talking about something happening right before service on a Sunday morning or happening in service, maybe you don't have that time to pause and pray and kind of think through, but make sure that you're slowing down in that moment to go, okay, God, guide and direct my heart, guide and direct my thoughts and my words. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so ab uh, absolutely. We don't want to rush. Exactly. So, you know, number one, say something. Number two, slow down. Number three, set the fact. Right. Set the facts. I think one of the most valuable things we can do for the people that we lead and the people that we serve with is sort of establish truth. Right. And and establish what the facts are. You know, I think and, and this isn't conservative or liberal or Democrat or Republican. We're all sort of susceptible to choosing the facts that we want to focus on. You know what I mean? Um, and from choosing our own facts from our own news sources in order to sort of support our own worldview. And I think one of the most valuable things that a leader can do is establish the facts for the congregation, you know, and, and whether whether they're political facts, whether and you're creating context for something that's happening, whether it's. Uh, social facts. And I think, you know, I think one of the most valuable things we can do as a leader in establishing the facts is establish what we don't know. You know what I mean? Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Right. Let's not guess. <laughs> Let's not put words into God's <laughs> mouth. Let's say what we do know. And let's say what we don't know. I think one of the most valuable things we can do is establish the facts for people. And, and when you establish the facts, what we're doing, and uh, you're right, we're not stoking the fire or picking a side. You know, mm -hmm. you're trying to clearly state what's going on, you know, and then from there, how do we respond? But as you state the facts, it's not, hey, this is my slant. This is my own personal opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not, hey, I'm on this side and this is my agenda. It's this is what has gone on. Mm -hmm. And we can clearly see those things happening. Sure, sure. You know, I, like, like, like I said, I think, I, you know, so many times... Uh, you, 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 let me put it like this. 
you are not the only person that people are sometimes getting information from right and yeah. so you know they're pulling it some depending on what it is sometimes they're pulling information and this is important uh in our preaching right sometimes they're fact checking you while you're preaching you know <laughs> right and so you have you you have to be careful with your facts because you can lose congregants and a congregation forever if you play fast and loose with the facts stick to what you know acknowledge what you don't know um, and give people the gift of telling them uh, telling them the truth. So so number well, three. And, and I think the, yeah. the, the one more thing I want to throw in there, Theo, is just I don't know about your church, but in my church, I, I can look at I have people on both sides, mm, you know, for mm -hmm. instances that are happening. So when you establish the facts, you don't alienate someone who maybe has a differing political or worldview mm -hmm. than you do. So mm -hmm. making sure that you stay true to those things because sure. you can't argue with God's truth. You sure. can't argue with the facts. Sure. And I, I think one, one of the ways that we can establish the facts is sort of in, in love because we understand that facts can be uncomfortable, right? It can be uncomfortable. It's still the truth, but right. how you communicate truth matters as well. You know, yesterday, you know, I was talking about the fact that uh, the state of Georgia elected the 11th african-american senator in the history of the senate okay that's a fact it's it's not for debate right like it, it right. um now we can we to talk about why is a whole nother thing right i was just i was kind of laying out particularly because i was laying out the historic nature of january 6th because on wednesday what what began the day was kind of this for some people it was sort of the the um the election of that particular senator right or senator elect and one of the things that i said sort of as context i said there have been more senators named michael in the history of the u.s senate than there have been african-american senators okay it's a fact and it was it was meant as both a a humorous factoid right but it also sort of gives us context to sort of think through this notion of how rare it has been for african-americans to be um to be uh elected to the senate right and you um to make sure that you're being fair to people like you said on both sides you acknowledge that they haven't all been democrats like some of them been republicans the the <laughs> you know tim scott is a republican and one of those 11 african-american senators and so is kamala harris and so is um you know senator-elect uh, Raphael Warnock and so we were talking about this thing and we're just we were sharing the facts of what had taken place and I think it's helpful sort of to help people un just kind of look at numbers and look at what's happening through different lenses sometimes there's a there's a way that you can communicate the facts that I think can um, pull push pull guards down right because I think I think a lot of people I don't know about you but I think a lot of people came to church kind of like Let's see what they're going to do today. You know, how, uh, um, you know, how how are they going to scale this wall? Because uh, so many people already came having stewed for four days, already deciding what they believed. You know what I mean? Already deciding yeah, where right. they stood um, and seeing if you were going to um, meet their expectations one way or the other. Were we going to point out? 
who the villains were were we going to point out who the heroes were like how or or were we going to sort of sugarcoat everything um and so i think one of the things one of the most valuable things we can do is is just kind of establish the facts i know we kind of got stuck there uh but i think it's one of the one of the most important well, things that we can do and 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 even and again even from there to kind of move from establishing the facts is is calling in, in love you know speaking in love not going out and choosing sides not going out and throwing arrows and throwing bullets and going hey this side that side him her them us but re responding in love and responding in a fashion that is biblical mm -hmm. you know because it's really easy for us to come and talk and uh, let's be real I don't, I don't like talking politics on Sunday morning. Like I want to be handling God's word properly. Sure. But there are certain things that we need to come in and address and go, Hey, how do we as a church respond and doing that in love? Cause I, mm -hmm. I know I sometimes will look through what people in my church are saying on social media and other platforms. And I don't know if maybe I'm the only person that's ever read something. Somebody who's a member of my church said and just lowered my head and be like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. Uh huh. It, no, maybe it's no. just me. No, it, it it's not. I mean, there there are lots of times when I just wish my 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 congregation would only share things that I said. Um, I think that you know <laughs> that would be that would be great. But it but uh, but unfortunately, I don't have that kind of control over them. Um, you know, I I think that and I and I and and I think some of it and and I think this is one of the wonderful things about kind of the the differences in our tradition. Um, there, there tends to be more, um, appetite for, um, politics or po political conversation or political, what's the word I'm looking for, reflection, um, because of the nature of how politics has influenced our lives as African-Americans, um, right. that, that, um, like, like everything is political, right? Like, uh, uh, for us, um, now, how you handle that is a matter of debate, right? Like how you like, and that's where I think we we sort of then kind of meet back together, which is you ought to handle. Well, for me, um, one of the things I said are are important is to call to account, and what I mean by that mm -hmm. is, um, I think it's it is important for us to reflect on how we got to where we are, right? Um, in as much as you cannot ever begin to fix a problem if you don't understand what the underlying problem is. So, you know, there, there have been times when I went to go fix something in my house, but because I thought the wrong thing was wrong, right? Like I ended up spending a whole bunch of time, but I never fixed the underlying problem, right? Because I, I failed to properly diagnose, right? And I think that, it, but I think in the calling to account, I think it's extremely important that we make sure that we include ourselves in that call to account, right? And it's easy to be like, they're the problem, you know? <laughs> and if, if they would just listen to Jesus, you know, how many times have you heard, ooh, pastor, you really told them today. No, 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 I was talking <laughs> to you, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, and so I, I do think, you know, it is important to, t you know, to talk, call, whether it, we call it call to account or a call to repentance, right? Like, I think that it's important for us to sort of be, thoughtful and reflective on how have we contributed to the atmosphere in which certain these behaviors have become prevalent regardless of what it is right regardless of what it is yeah you know and what whether whether we're talking about the climate 
you know, literally, or we're talking about the climate of politics, you know, any number of different, I, I think, now, you have to decide, and, and I think one of the things that we'll talk about a little bit later is, sometimes you can't do all of this in one message, <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you can't yeah. do all this in one sitting, but I think that in the context of a response, you ought to do a number of di these different things, you know, I, I, I do think that um, in some form or fashion, we have to spend time saying, you know, uh, how do we get here? You know, what can we do differently? How can we be more like Christ in, you know, in our congregation, right? Right in the midst of congregational upheaval because the pastor tried to change the color of the carpet, you know, in in you know, when we're all able to come back to church, uh, you know, or <laughs> or you know, in the context of communal upheaval when new you know, families are moving into the neighborhood and they don't look like us and it's changing the complexion of our congregation or, you know, larger sort of state politics or any number of different things. I think it is helpful for us to sort of say, how do we get here? You know, and, and again, it's not finger pointing. It really is right. reflecting on who have we become? How have we strayed from that love God, love neighbor ethic, you know, and how, what, what then does it take to get back? You know, I hate people who just like, that's what's wrong. I'm like, well, how do we fix it? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right. And I, and I think what I hear you saying is you're looking for people to go, Hey, what's my role? What have mm -hmm. I done to get us here? What can I do to move us more towards mm -hmm. what, where Christ wants us to be than where we're at today? You know, yeah. you want to bring people to account to go, Hey, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And it's almost always, Stop what you're doing on social media. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's almost yeah. just just share all of the church's Facebook stuff and nothing else. Just don't, <laughs> don't you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, absolutely. But but that's what it is. You you want to bring people to the forefront to go. What is my role and how do I move move forward in this? Yeah. You know, yeah. how do I be that change? You talk about how do I love the, love God, love people. How, how do I do that amidst what's going on and what's transpiring? Exactly. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the last thing is, and, and you kind of even brought this in on the previous thing. I think after a call to accountability, after a call to repentance, I think there should, there should always be a call to reconciliation, um, mm. a call to if we're acknowledging that something is broken then we ought to call people to try to bring it back together, to try to begin to pick up the pieces, right? Like, I, I think that to be Christians is to be people who believe in reconciliation. At, at the end of the day, we are people who believe that there's nothing that is so broken that God can't put it back together. Um, and so we have to be hopeful for that possibility. But we don't just have to be hopeful, we have to be participatory in that process. And so as leaders, whether you're calling a family to be able to come back together, whether you're calling a congregational family to become come back together, whether you're calling a neighborhood or a state or a country or the entire body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, whether it's, you know, one of the things that I typically don't do is I typically don't publicly argue with other pastors you know what i mean uh when when i see you know a sermon i think is ridiculous 
I tend not to share it because I'm sure somebody wants to share what I said on Sunday. Like this, this Joker doesn't know <laughs> what he's talking about. You know, I, but I understand how hard it is to do what we do. And it's not that I'm trying to ignore it, but it is that, first of all, I don't have a relationship with them. I've never seen somebody say something and been unwilling to be like, hey, man, uh, you can take that down. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I think that, you know, if. if 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 me and Kenny are having a difference of opinion, my job isn't to go to Facebook to tell Facebook Kenny's stupid. You know, my job is to go to Kenny and be like, hey Kenny, man, how can we how can we fix this? I'm pretty sure it's biblical somewhere. I'm mean, you know, old new to whatever. You know, <laughs> but first thing I, I go to you. Now if if we can't then fix it, then we bring in mediators and it gets bigger and bigger. But but at least at first, let's try to hash this out ourselves. And I think as a, as as people of faith. Like we need to get back to that um, passionate pursuit of reconciliation, right? Like now, now that that is not to ignore the work that it takes, right? Reconciliation isn't just a a handshake and we're cool or a hug and we're fine, right? Like it it takes work, it takes tears, it takes sweat and blood and tries and missteps and you know hurt feelings because we all don't use the same language and any number of different things. But it doesn't mean that we're not still called to that work, right? Like, like you can you can be called to be a fireman. It's still gonna get hot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, just because you're called to a thing doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. And I think God calls us to reconciliation, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, um, you know. And so my hope is that that people understand. And I, I think there was a reason that we kind of we outlined it in that way that that reconciliation is important, but there has to be sort of a repentance. An, an account, a call to accountability that makes reconciliation possible. I think there are times when then when there are people who are kind of like, let's just all be friends. And we're like, whoa, like we need, <laughs> let's 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 acknowledge what why this thing is broken first, right? Like like right. Ag- acknowledge my pain. Let me acknowledge your pain. Let me acknowledge the pain of disenfranchised minorities. Let me acknowledge the pain of disenfranchised white people who just like I I don't have a voice. Let's acknowledge. The, the pain of people who've been left out of the process for years on both sides of the political aisle. Let's acknowledge the pain of, of children who are wish their parents would pay more attention. Any number of different areas. Like let's let's not just sing kumbaya. Let's sort of fix this thing so that kumbaya comes naturally, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think that that accountability and repentance breathes or, or begets reconciliation. Well, and, and I, again, I, it's hard to get to that reconciliation when you can't have that repentance to go, hey, the Lord is Lord of my life. I am on the same team as you. I, Jesus is in control. You know, when you can start at those points and it's that John mm-hmm. the Baptist, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes in those. You've got to say something. You've got to admit there's a problem. You've got to admit that something is going wrong. You don't have to understand it. Some of these racial tensions and things that are happening, I don't understand because they're not necessarily a part of my story. You know, I think that's one of the beauties of within this podcast, Theo's story is his story and it's much different than my story, but yet we can come together and focus on the things that bring us together and make us brothers Mm -hmm. as opposed to how we're different. You know, you and I won't see eye to eye on everything. And I'm sure there'll be conversations that we hash out across the table or on the phone or via text. And sometimes you might go, man, that Kenny, he's an idiot. Uh, And you're right. Sometimes I am, you know, and I might go, hey, sometimes Theo's so hard headed and I'll be right because you are. But again, (laughs) but coming back to those moments to go, hey, 
when we repent, when we realize we're on the same team, when we admit there's a problem and we're not perfect, it sure. can bring us towards that reconciliation when done in love. Yeah. Well, and uh, just as case in point, I re we were texting on Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, we were texting and I was just kind of like, you know, and I was, and I, I remember I sent the text and I was like, I think I went too far. Is this the end of the podcast? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but I, I think that, you know, a, as you build relationships with people, you're able to sort of understand um, intent and, you know, passion and you're able to to um, sort of live with the imperfections of people. Right. Like you you won't necessarily I'm not, because you don't get what I'm thinking doesn't mean you're wrong. Right. And because you don't get what I'm thinking doesn't mean I'm wrong. Right. We, we have to talk and work through these things. And again, like like you kind of said, our, my hope is that what we're the hard work that we're doing is also modeling for our families and our congregations, what this work can look like. And then, you know, after that, you know, the broader community. So, um, you know, that's that's we're not quite done yet, but that's our list. Right. Our list was you know say something you 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 have to say something you ought to slow down you know slow down we want you to set the facts we want you to call for accountability and we want you to call for reconciliation now you know one of the things that that we were kind of thinking through was the fact that this doesn't always have to be done from the pulpit you know, particularly in the age of the, the pandemic and quarantine, when when folk have gotten used to us being more mobile, you can have your your message on Sunday, but then you can have uh, a special talk on Saturday night uh, for processing yeah. or thinking something through. You can I, I remember, you know, um, the the Sunday after the death of George Floyd, I intentionally set aside a portion of the service aside from the sermon to make a public statement right i said this is not the sermon okay i need i need these five minutes to make this statement right and then i said okay now we need money for offering <laughs> you know whatever you know <laughs> yeah but like let's let's move but this needs to be it needs to be addressed but it doesn't necessarily need to be the sermon sometimes right. it does need to be a sermon Right. But, and I, I think it, and, and then in that that slow down and pray, you're seeking discernment, not just for what to say, but for the best medium um, in which for it to be said. Right. And so I think that yeah, and, it, go ahead. And I was just going to say to piggyback that, I think what Theo is saying, too, is like there's not a right way. There's not a by the book way that you've got to handle this. You know, it's important for you to say something, but it could be going live on a Thursday morning or on a Saturday morning. It could be taking that couple of minutes out. It, you don't have to go away from your sermon series or what you had planned. Sometimes that's necessary, and you may need to mm -hmm. prayerfully consider that. For me, we, we had a pause on where we were going and stopped and changed what we were addressing on Sunday so that we could kind of speak to what was going on. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that's the way that you have to handle that. Sure. Uh, I think there are plenty of wrong ways that you can handle this thing, mm -hmm. but there's not necessarily one right way to do it. Sure. Yeah, I, definitely. I mean, again, that's one of my kind of my, there might not always be a, a right way, but there is definitely some wrong ways. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we won't we won't shout out anybody that we think um, did it. Listen, because it, this it is hard to to lead people through trials and crises. We understand that whether you are a, a youth leader who needs to talk to some young people about something, whether you're a, a teacher. Um, you know, whether you are a pastor and you're having to address your entire congregation and you know, you know, there are going to be times when you know that your congregation is going to be split on the issue. It's not always going to be Democrat for Republican. Sometimes it's going to be black, white. Sometimes it's going to be old versus young. And your seniors are yep. thinking about this issue one way and your young people are thinking about an issue another way. Sometimes you're going to find issues sort of choosing by gender and you find your men are kind of like in this place and your women are kind of like this place you you just never know but it doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to sort of lead people navigate people um through through these experiences and so you know I, I, that that's that's our that's our list you know what's what's on yours um you know what tips what have you learned what are some of the do's what are some of the don'ts uh, that as you've had to navigate, you know, responding in instances of social, you know, racial, political, communal upheaval, what have you found uh, to work for you through this process? We would love for you to share some of those things um, in the comments section. Thank you, you know, so much in advance for keeping the party going. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that leadership is not always easy. So, so thank you for your heart, for your passion, for leading people to Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the conversation with you. And we look forward to continuing that conversation. Um, so we would love for you to, again, like the Ministry for Breakfast podcast Facebook page. Go ahead and follow in some comments there. Uh, we will be dropping episodes every Tuesday. Sometimes they'll be a little bit shorter than this one. Sometimes they you know, maybe a little bit longer extended if it's a huge topic we want to tackle. Uh, but we look forward to sharing ministry, to growing together, and to learning. We cannot wait to connect with you. Um, so thank you again to our sponsor, uh, 415. We appreciate you and all that you do. I'm Kenny, and I eat ministry for breakfast. I'm Theo, and I eat ministry for breakfast. Until next time, stay hungry, my friends.